Open your Bible this morning to the book of 1 Timothy chapter 4. 1 Timothy chapter number 4. Down along the lines of verse 11. I know that sometimes when you've sat for a long time, your legs get sore. So I'll have everybody stand up and stretch your legs a little bit while we read the Scripture. One thing my goal is as a pastor is it's very hard to fall asleep in this church. <laughs> we like to keep you up and down, keep you alert. 1 Timothy chapter 4, let's read uh, verses 11 through 16, alright? This is Paul, uh, by the way, just to give a little bit of background. Paul, he's a, he's a veteran preacher, he's been preaching for many, many years, and he's writing a letter to Timothy, who is a newbie, right? He's kind of a rookie, and, and Paul is uh, Timothy's mentor. And Paul had given Timothy a very challenging task. Uh, Timothy, though he was a young man, uh, was charged with leading the church of Ephesus, and the church at Ephesus had some issues, as every church does. Amen? Look at your neighbor and say, you have issues. Right. Yeah. So. All right. That, okay, no fighting. No fighting. Uh, every church has issues. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, so, anyway, that church had some issues. There were, you know, Paul was giving Timothy some instruction as to how to establish a leadership structure within the church, elders and deacons and things of that nature. Uh, there were some false teachers that were coming in and trying to uh, distort the gospel. And Paul was telling Timothy, look, you've got you to cut that off with the past. Don't let... So, I mean, Timothy really had a very challenging task in front of him. And so, Paul is writing this letter to Timothy. And this is what he says, starting in verse 11. Command and teach these things. In other words, everything I've taught you, Timothy, teach those things to the church. Let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers an example in speech in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity. Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation, to teaching. And this next part is what I really want to hammer on this morning. He says, Do not neglect the gift you have, which was given you by the prophecy when the council of elders laid their hands on you. Practice these things. What things is he talking about? These gifts, this gift that you have. Practice these things. Immerse yourself in them. In other words, give everything you've got to them. Surrender all, right? This whole service, by the way, we didn't plan it this way, but it all kind of came together quite nice. Um, Surrender everything to this gift. Immerse yourself in them so that all may see your progress. Keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. Persist in this, for by doing so, you will save both yourself and your hearers. So in other words, the gift that you have is important not only to your own spiritual well-being, but to the spiritual well-being of everybody else. Pray with me today. Father, we look to you once again. Father, we just thank you, the God of all gifts, that you have given us first and foremost the gift of salvation, and then unto the gifts that you have imparted unto man. God, that we might work for you and labor for you in your kingdom so long as we live on this earth. Today, I pray that our words will not just be songs and rhymes, uh, that we truly, from our heart, will have a desire to surrender all to you, that you might take us and use us, and be glorified in all that we do. Today, God, I am just a, I'm just a man Flesh and blood, I need the anointing power, the gift of your Holy Spirit to speak through me in a way that will touch hearts today and bring fruit from this service. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Give me a big shout of amen like you mean it. Amen. Amen. That was a dandy. You can be seated. So, so Wednesday night, okay, just to give you a little bit of an idea of where this sermon, if you will, was, was birthed. Uh, on Wednesday nights, we've been studying through the epistles of Paul uh, for the past few years, actually. 
And uh, this week, these last few weeks, we've been studying through 1 Timothy. Okay, well, we got, to first, we got to the fourth chapter Wednesday night, and we're discussing this very thing, okay? We're, we're talking about the gifts uh, and how important they are to be used and the gifts that people have and they're not using them, so on and so forth. And I kid you not, I'm teaching this lesson, and it's speaking to me, obviously, because I never teach or preach that it doesn't speak to me. Isn't that true, preachers? I mean, you're, it's hitting back. But I'm teaching this, and, and I'm getting everybody, and, you know, and everybody's engaged and making comments and in agreement, and it was all of a sudden this ought to me, come, occurs to me, the whole church has to hear this. Because here's the thing. Every person in this room is gifted. You may not see it, but you're gifted, and your gift is so important. So I hope through this uh, message that this morning that it will inspire you to, to use it, to find out what it is if you don't know it, uh, and to be uh, bold in using your gift. So that being said, um, again, Paul is challenging Timothy. Now, if you, we don't have to... T- well, yeah, look over, hang a right. And go to 2 Timothy chapter 1. And those of you that were here Wednesday and think, okay, I can, you know, I see you getting your earbuds out, you're going to start tuning into the game. I come up with a whole bunch of new stuff between Wednesday and now, so you need to stay tuned as well. 2 Timothy chapter 1, uh, verses 3 through 7 say something like this. Again, Paul is writing to Timothy. This is a little bit later, though. This is actually the very last letter that Paul wrote, okay? And, and he's writing to letter. Writing this letter to Timothy, and Paul's about to check out. Okay, he's getting old, and he knows that the time of his uh, death is coming. So he's writing this letter, kind of a last, last bit of advice, I guess, for Timothy as Paul is approaching the end of his life. Paul says in verse three, "I thank God, whom I serve, as did my ancestors, with a clear conscience, as I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day. As I remember your tears, I long to see you, that I may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith." a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I am sure dwells in you as well. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God. The King James says, stir up the gift of God that is in you, okay, Uh, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and of self-control. The King James says, God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind, okay? So Paul, again, in 1 Timothy is saying to or in 1 Timothy, Paul is saying to Timothy, don't neglect that gift that you have. And then in 2 Timothy, he reminds him, he says, stir up that gift that you have. Now, I don't know that whether Timothy has kind of set on his gift or what, but the, the bottom line is Paul is saying to him, you have a gift, whatever you do, use it, right? Keep it stirred up, don't get comfortable with it, fan it into flame. You know what happens when there's a little bit of coals in your fire pit, right, and you want to get it going again, what do you do? You fan it, you blow on it, you stir it up, you stir up the fire, and it causes it to to ignite again. So Paul is saying here to Timothy, I've used my gifts. And Paul did. Paul had many gifts that the Spirit of God used him through, and he said, I've used mine. And I've used them as much as I can possibly use them. I'm about to die. Paul, no doubt if if God would have gave Paul the ability to live forever, he probably would have done it. I mean, there were times Paul said, you know, I'd rather die and go home to be with Jesus. It'd be better for me, but it's better for you, the church, if I stay here and use my gifts, because that edifies the church. Paul would have stayed forever. But he knew, I'm about to die. I've used my gifts as much as I can possibly use them. And Timothy, I am now encouraging you to don't let your gifts grow cold. Whatever you do, use your gifts. And it's so important that literally the survival of the church depends on it. 
I want you to think about that as it regards maybe your... And throughout this whole sermon, I want you to think about what your gifts are, okay? And understand that they're so important that the survival of the kingdom of God, the gospel, the survival of this church depends on whether or not you and I use our gifts that God has given us because there's a purpose for them. It's that important. Okay, so as I'm thinking about all of this, uh, I think, okay, there's so many... I can't stand up here and name every gift that a person could possibly have, but I'm going to name a few. Okay, some, many gifts that were, are within the church, some being teaching, some people have a gift to teach, some people, uh, preaching, uh, music, could anybody get up and did what she did this morning? Not everybody could. Some people have a gift of music, some people have a gift of worship. There are the gifts of the Spirit that Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians. Uh, he says it like this, for to one, in other words, one Christian, one person within the body, is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom. Okay, wisdom is a gift. Some people just, I mean, we... Some people have wisdom, but some people have more wisdom than others. It's, it's a special gift. To another, the word of knowledge by the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, the gifts of healing by the same Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To, the, to another, prophecy. To another, discerning of spirits. To another, diverse kinds of tongues. To another, interpretation of tongues. To another, to another. You get the point. Is that there's these gifts that operate within the, spirit, within the church, guided and, and fueled by the Spirit of God, to accomplish a purpose to make the church powerful. Everybody with me on that? Okay. So nobody, everybody has different gifts. Not everybody's going to have the gift of faith. Not everybody's going to speak in tongues. Not everybody's going to be able to prophesy. Everybody has a different gift. Okay? We all, to a certain extent, as a Christian, you have faith. Isn't that true? I mean, if you don't, then we really need to pray for you because that's kind of what salvation is all about, right? So we all have a measure of faith, but some people just got a gift of, like, concrete faith. And just never wavers. They've been given that special gift for a purpose. So there's the gifts of the Spirit that we just read. There's the gift of encouragement. Some people have that. Some of you have that. Some of you encourage me. I mean, one phone call or one text or one word, and, and I'm encouraged. Some people just have that extra gift. Uh, the gift of counseling, being able to instruct people and give good godly advice. Make sure you have that gift before you try to use that, by the way. But some, some people try that and they don't have the gift, so it's important. But some people have a gift of counseling. Some people have a gift of visitation, visiting people maybe who are, are sick or have been away for a while. Some people might call that the gift of gab, right? Some of you in this room have the gift of gab. I don't. I'm very quiet and reserved and bashful. I just don't talk a lot. Um, some people have a gift of positivity and you think, well, that's, that's not really a gift. Yes, it is. I mean, in, in a negative, some people, are, you're around them and you cannot make them get negative. They're, they're, they turn everything into something positive and in a negative world that we live in, man, we desperately need that. People who are negative, aren't, don't, they're not afraid to tell people what they think. Isn't that true? Negative comes out like easy, Okay. Negative just pours out of people who don't even think about it. Positive people have a tendency sometimes to hold it back for some reason. But if you've got a gift of looking at things in a positive nature, man, get that out there. That's important. Uh, some people have a gift of compassion. When, when people are going through tremendous grief uh, and chaos, some people just have an ability, they have a, a warming, a, a kindness a healing, if you will, in their hug and in their hands and in their words to literally help people heal in the worst times of their life. It's, it's literally a gift of compassion. Other people, I mean, it's not like, you know, I mean, you may, you may say, well, I care about people and we have compassion, but some people can take that to the extra mile. You know what I'm saying this morning? Does that make sense? So there's, there's the, the gift of working with, 
with hands. When we read in the temple, when the temple was built, God gave people specific talents and gifts to know how to build things, and God got His work done through those gifts. We've witnessed the exact same thing taking place in this building project. People that got specific gifts and abilities have thrown those in and used them to get this building done. I was thinking a little bit about Irene Pruitt uh, as I was thinking about all this. A lot of you uh, didn't know Irene. She passed away probably... It's been more than that. It's probably been four or five years, I would assume. But Irene, you know, she was in her 80s, and she came to, to church here for a good long while. And she, of course, if you, if you knew Irene, she was a bubbly type lady anyway. And uh, she came to me one time. She said, Dennis, I can't do what I used to do, but I can do something. And she said, the Lord has laid it on my heart to make blankets. Prayer, she called them prayer blankets because she had cancer. And she said, I want to make these prayer blankets and that we can give to people. We can pray over them. Kind of like, remember uh, in, in Acts chapter 19 when they would take handkerchiefs you know, from Paul. You know, they would pray over a handkerchief and take them from Paul's body and they would take them to the sick. And we do that sometimes. If somebody's sick, we'll take a, you know, a handkerchief or a prayer cloth and we pray over it. Not that it, we're giving it special power, but it's, it's, just, it's that cloth that is something that's tangible that somebody can hang on to, that all the prayer went into. And she said, I want you to be able to, we, we pray over these prayer blankets and you take them to people who have cancer that it can bring them some some comfort and i mean that woman took her hands and she made prayer blanket after prayer blanket after we'd go through them she'd make a bunch more and we still have a few of them back here but she she had a gift and it maybe seemed insignificant in a lot of ways but to her she used it uh for the kingdom of god and it it turned out to be a tremendous blessing I mean, we would give those prayer blankets to people and they would just weep. It was literally, this may sound crazy, but it's like literally they could feel the love coming out of this blanket knowing that a group of people had got together and prayed for them specifically and gave them that blanket. Don't underestimate whatever your gift is. Don't underestimate the power of it. Some people have medical knowledge and they use that medical knowledge out on the, the fields. Uh, there's the, the gift of, of prayer, and we all, every Christian knows how to pray, but some Christians have, have a special gift of intercessory prayer where they can really get down and get dirty and pray on behalf of other people. Uh, we've had a, an intercessory prayer group we've started here uh, a couple months ago maybe. Uh, we've been meeting on Thursday mornings at 10 o'clock, uh, just doing nothing but coming here and praying for the church, for the community, praying on behalf of our nation, praying on behalf of, of everybody else. And I mean, we're, we're, we're praying hard, okay? I mean, this is a... And I want, I want to share with you and invite you, if you, if you had that, that gift and that desire to really pray uh, on, on everybody, other people's behalf, come. Thursday mornings at 10 o'clock. I realize most people are, are at work. I would like to have so much interest in that that we have to move it to an evening or something. I mean, because here's the thing. This is when you can pray and you're not worried about what everybody else is thinking or hearing or doing. You just get to business. Amen? Amen. Some people have that gift, and that's a very, very important gift. Um, some people have the gift of leadership. They just naturally, people will follow them. Some people can just naturally do that. Not everybody. Some people have the gift of followership. I made that, I made that word up. But the, how many of you know that every leader needs followers? And some people aren't gifted in following because they always want to lead. But when, when people come up and get behind a leader and say, I'm going to just... You're, you're like wind in their sail, right? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get behind that leader. I'm going to give them all of my support. We need that. The body of Christ needs it. So many, 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 many more. I didn't even touch the surface of the gifts that people have and can use. So every Christian, I believe, every Christian has a gift to contribute to the body of Christ. Because that's really what church is about, right? Church isn't just necessarily about, okay, well, I'll go and see what I can get out of it today. 
We're, we're a body. And, and what can I contribute? What do I have to offer um, the body? It may seem small. It's not. What is your gift? And how are you using it, using it for God? I mean, some of us are, have gifts in different areas. We're using it maybe in different uh, areas. Some, some uh, people are gifted coaches. You know what I mean? They, they're able to take a group of young men or young women and, and shape them and teach them. Uh, and that's great. That's a tremendous gift. How can you take that gift and use it for God? Right? And there's a way. Because God gives us a gift we can use for Him. Now, unfortunately, many Christians, maybe if not most, but many Christians have a tendency to sit on their gifts, okay? We sit on them like, like, a, like a hen sits on her egg, right? We're, gonna, we're just going to sit on it, we're going to keep it warm until maybe one of these days it'll hatch, right? Someday maybe I'll use this gift. But Jesus told his disciples in something like this, in terms something like this. He said, look, I know that you think to yourself that one of these days the harvest will be here. We sang about that a little bit here this morning too. One of these days... There'll be a harvest. In other, words, in other words, one of these days there'll be a need for me to use my gift, but until then I'm going to sit on it like an egg. I'm not going to use it. And we'll talk about different reasons why people don't use their gifts, but uh, one of these days I'll use my gift for God. And Jesus tells his disciples, he said, man, you guys need to open your eyes, right? He said, look, look around. The harvest is already plenteous. What was he ultimately telling his disciples? That we need you to use your gifts now, Right? Now, not, not tomorrow, not someday. God gives us these gifts uh, not to be stored in some sort of junk room to be used someday. Not to be thrown into a, a dump somewhere and never with any intention on you. You ever give somebody a gift and they never use it? Isn't that aggravating? You give somebody a gift. What, what if you gave somebody a gift? You spent, I want to say, let's say you spent a thousand bucks on a gift. You gave it to somebody out of the goodness of your heart. You think, man, they'll, they'll get a lot of good use out of this. And you drive by their place, and they have a, a, a junk pile over there, and there stands your gift out on top of the junk pile. Or you go to their house for dinner, and, and they say, hey, would you grab the, you know, the macaroni and cheese out of the pantry? And you open the pantry, and there sits your gift up there, and it's got, it's got dust on it, a half inch thick. <laughs> yeah, or they re-gift it. That don't work. There's no re-gifting in the gifts of God. But what if... Uh, some of you would try that. If you could do that, you would try that. Uh, but, I mean, you know, you might think, man, I, I gave them that to use. And that's the way God looks at many of us. He said, I've, I've installed a gift. When we were created, you might, we were all downloaded with some specific gift that we can use for the kingdom of God. And so, many times we store it in a back room or we just kind of ditch it. And so here's a few reasons. Again, this is not an exhaustive list, but reasons I could think of. Uh, why people sit on their gifts. Well, number one, they look at them as their gifts, okay? They're actually God's gifts, right? But I just, in my mind, I'm kind of going through, and I'd even ask this question Wednesday night. We've got a few um, examples. Uh, why, why would somebody not use a gift? Why would they not want to contribute what they're able to do uh, for the God that created them? Uh, so there's just a few, few reasons, and you can see if you fit into one of these. Uh, probably most, most of the time it's just out of fear, most of the time, people neglect their gift out of fear. Fear of being embarrassed. Uh, fear of being ridiculed. Or uh, fear of not getting it right, doing something wrong. Or fear of getting in the flesh. Uh, is this really God? Is it not? And so, we're, most of the time, our quietness and, and our talent egg-sitting, so to speak, is because we're afraid to use those gifts. Um, I won't make you raise your hand, but can anybody like, give me a little secret nod and tell me maybe that's true? Okay, a few, few honest people out there. 
It's true, fear has a tendency to cripple us in many cases. But do you remember what we read earlier in 2 Timothy? God did not give us the spirit of fear, right? But of power and love and a sound mind. So let me ask you this. If God didn't give us the spirit of fear, then who do you think it is that's scaring us out of using our gifts? Exactly. Gifted Christian people are Satan's worst nightmare. That's whatever your gift is. Satan's worst nightmare. So of course he didn't want people using their gift. If God, if Satan would have convinced all of you guys that work with your hands and are able to build, if he'd have, if he'd have convinced you all not to use your gift for fear that maybe you'd done something wrong or maybe you wouldn't do it right or whatever, we wouldn't even be half that far along in that building. If if Satan can scare you into not using your gift of compassion, there's somebody that's going to hurt, maybe unnecessarily. God could literally give you the words to speak to them that would lift them up out of, out of a pit. It's true. Um, some people sit on their gifts just out of plain old rebellion. I mean, I just, I don't want to do it, and I'm not going to do it. Right? Let, me, let me give you a little word. Can I pastor you for just a second and give you just a little bit of advice? Uh, never tell God I'm not going to do it. That would be my advice. for the, That's my counsel for you. I'm not saying I'm the good. Never tell God I'm not doing it. And see, here's the thing. God speaks. God gives us things to do. We know it. I mean, I know a lot of times we're like, God, I'm waiting on you to show me. And he says, no, I've already showed you. I'm waiting on you to do it, right? And we know in our heart many times when God is giving us a work to do, he's giving us a talent, he's giving us a gift, and we're just putting it off. And we just, I just, I don't want to, I don't want to do it. And every time I have ever gotten mouthy with God and told him I wasn't going to do something, it just didn't end well. It just didn't end well. I remember, you know, it's kind of the same way with, with mom. You don't ever tell a mom you're not going to do something, right? I remember one time when I was a kid, Joe, my cousin Joe, Glendella's brother, they were all over at our house. And we had, we had dinner or barbecue, I remember. We, we was all there visiting and had barbecue. And my mom, jokingly, said, boys, you do those dishes. And Joe, my loving cousin, says, I ain't doing no dishes. And my mom said, oh, yes, you are. And I, and I didn't even say it. This is still, I'm still kind of bitter about all of this. I had to help him. We stood there at that sink and washed every single dish just because he said, I'm not going to do it. And I'm going to tell you something, God is just that stubborn. Amen? Don't ever tell God. Be honest, you can be honest with God and say, God, I'm scared to. Uh, God, I really don't want to, but, you know, please give me the want to. But don't ever tell God you're not going to do something. Uh, you're in for a very bumpy ride. Some people uh, sit on their gifts just out of pure laziness. I mean, they just literally, it, it takes time and it's time that I don't want to give. Uh, it's time that, to, you know, I would rather spend doing other things. I mean, I'm just being honest, right? And I've been there. I'm not casting any stones. I've, I've been there. Just, just laziness. There's, things I, there's other things I'd rather do, and I just don't have the time for it. Uh, and that's no excuse. I mean, obviously, you know, it seems reasonable to us. Uh, we use a lot of other things that are good things to substitute our work for God, and we think that, you know, our family and job and all of those types of things, but it really won't stand up in court, so to speak, uh, when we stand before God to say, Lord, I didn't have... If God gives you a gift and gives you a work to do, that means He knows you have time to do it. I mean, He kind of knows everything, you know, so you can't really pull the wool over God's eye. You can tell me, oh, Dennis, I can't do that. I really don't have time. And I'm going to believe you, okay? God's not going to believe you. He knows. So on, on Judgment Day, standing before Him, nobody's going to be able to say, Lord, I just didn't have time. He said, oh, yeah, you had plenty of it. 
uh, a lot of reasons, and I think this is probably the biggest one, if, if, if I have my guess, is that uh, a lot of people sit on their gift because they don't know they have it. Just literally don't know. A lot of people want to do something for God, but they just don't know what. I don't know what to do for God. And they literally don't know what their gift is. What, the, what is my contribution to the body of Christ? I'd do it if I knew what it was. Anybody testify to that? Let me ask you this question, and you ponder on this, and you pray about this. I'm just going to ask you, it's a very simple question. What are you good at? What are you good at? I'm not, I mean, we think in our mind, I, want, I, I, want to have a, I don't have a gift of preaching, teaching, singing. We think about churchy stuff. Right that we do in a church service, and all those gifts are good. And there's, it's amazing sometimes, you know, there may be. And I wonder, as a pastor, I look out across this congregation. I, there's been people rise up with gifts that I didn't know they had. I'm like, man, where did that come from? Jeff stands up and teaches, you know, many many years ago when his grandpa retired from uh, teaching our Sunday school class, our adult Sunday school class. Jeff never taught a day in his life. He stands up and he teaches like a 60 year old man. I mean, it just started pouring out of him. You know, I mean, it's like. Man, I didn't even, where did that come from? And that pops up. And, and so I'm sitting here with my beady eyes looking across this con- congregation, and I'm thinking, what kind of gifts are out there that I don't, that I don't know about that you're sitting on? And I'm going to get them all out of you, I promise. I'm gonna, and I'll talk about that here in just a second. But uh, you're, you don't even say anything. I don't really know what my gift is. And it may not be something churchy within, within the church. What are you good at? What can you put your finger on and say, this I can do? Kind of like Irene. That wasn't a church. Making quilts? I mean, you can't go about preaching, teaching, prophecy, speaking in tongues, uh, working in miracles, and making quilts. Right? It's not in there in that nature, but it was something she could do, something she was good at, and she did it, and God used it. God blessed it. So what, what, what are you good at? Do that. Okay? Do what you're good at, and I, t- I promise you, God will direct your steps from there. He just wants people in action. You've heard me use this illustration before, but a car that's in park on the side of the street isn't going to go anywhere. If, it's, if a car is parked, it's facing that direction, but it really needs to be facing that direction. If it's in park, you can't change it. But if it's moving a little bit, even if it's moving somewhat in the wrong direction, at least it's moving and you can turn it back around. God says just do what you're good at. Just move. Just operate with a, with a, with a right heart and God said, I'll get you where you need to go, Right? Look for ways to use what you're good at for the kingdom of God. And then last one my, on my list, again, this is not an exhaustive list, but um, many people have a gift, and I've kind of already alluded to this, but they just don't think it's important. It, it, it really, I mean, what's this really going to do for anybody? It's not that big a deal. And I want to I show a video, I want Jennifer to show a video, to show, kind of illustrate how important one person's gift is. I, think, I don't think it's that important, but this is how important one little, small, seemingly insignificant gift is. Your gift is not insignificant. It's, it's that important. It's chain reaction, right? It's what happens. And we're talking about using our gifts. Not only does this happen within the church, but outside of the church. Okay, because a lot of times when we think of, of gifts, especially like the gifts of the Spirit, we think about that within a church service, right? Giving prophecy within a church service or praying for healing in a church service or having faith in a church service. We think about it being within church service and obviously we want the gifts of the Spirit and the gifts of God operating within the church service. But how many of you know that on the day of Pentecost, 120,000 people were, 120,000, 120 people were up in the upper room, right? And, they're, they're, and God is giving them the gifts. They're being filled with the Holy Spirit and they're using those gifts in the upper room. But when revi- the, what, uh, the only time that revival started is when they took their gifts out of the upper room and went out into the world using their gifts out there. 
Okay, that's where it really matters the most. We've talked a lot about that this year lately, that we talk about, you know, great revival to come. And, and I want revival. I think it'd be great. And, but we think about, okay, we're going to have a revival. If, I'll, I'll be honest with you. If we could have uh, a revival here, like a soul-saving revival where we, we just get on fire, we have church, and all of these sinners start flocking in, that would be great. That would be much easier, right? They come to us. Now, it wouldn't be biblical, but that would be easier on us. We'll just have church, we'll get all caught up in the Spirit, and we'll let them all come running to us. And Jesus said, no, you've got to get out and beat the brush. Right? Go out into the hedges, into the highways, take your gifts, out, use them in the church, but take them outside the church, because that's where people need them the most. Amen? Um, quail hunting would be pretty useless inside, wouldn't it? I mean, I've been quail hunting. I never have. I've never had that. They don't have any anymore. We don't have any Miranda. But, but you go quail hunting, you got to get out in the tall grass, right? Quail were all hiding down in the grass. We could, I could say tonight at, mix it up time, what time, uh, since we get you all confused, 345, we're going we're gonna to have, have quail hunting. Everybody bring your shotguns, dress up in your camel, and we're going to sit in here and quail hunt. Right? How many quail are we going to... No, we got to get out in the tall grass. So it's kind of the same. We're going to all come in here, have church, use our gifts, and that's good. But we got to get out into the tall grass where the sinners are. Amen? Get out there where the hurting people are and, and um, use those gifts to bring them in. The reason that God gave you a gift is because people around you need it. Okay? He doesn't give anybody... I said this a minute ago. We don't give anybody a gift accidentally. He didn't download accidentally any gifts into somebody. If you have a gift... There's a reason, and God wants God needs you to use it. And I want, I want to take it a step farther and say this. This is how important it is. Somebody in this room, okay, not only out in the world, but somebody in this room today needs your gift. Somebody in this room needs you to do what God has gifted you to do. You don't have a gift for no reason. If you have a gift of encouragement, I can promise you there's somebody in this place discouraged, Right? They need it right now. Dirk, I'm going to use your illustration. Dirk, me and Dirk was talking the other day about, uh, um, and I told him not to tell Jeff this because it's always a race to see who gets to use these illustrations we come across. But, um, but I was talking to Dirk the other day and he said, you know, I got to looking at the uh, beautiful colors. Right now it's fall and the, just, the trees are just beautiful. All the colors are so vibrant. Um, but he said he noticed one thing is that they were more beautiful and more vibrant on the sunny days, when the sun was shining on them. On the cloudy days, they're still pretty, but not near as beautiful as when the sun is shining on them. That's a perfect illustration of us as God's people. I mean, we're dying leaves. That's what makes them turn colors, by the way. They're dying. We're dying leaves. We have a certain amount of time on this earth, and God says, if you'll allow me to shine my light, if the Son of God is shining on our life, and, and he's, he's giving those gifts, we're using those gifts in the sunlight, then we, we become more vibrant, we become more beautiful, more colorful, more useful to the world around us. Amen? Isn't that something? Turn real quick into Ephesians chapter 4. I'm going to start bringing this in for a landing here. Ephesians chapter number 4, verse 11. And he gave, right? It's God giving gifts, as he always does. And he gave, these are the gifts God gave, the apostles, prophets, evangelists, 
shepherds, King James says pastors, and teachers. To do what? To equip the saints for the work of the ministry. Now, who, who's doing the work of the ministry here? The saints. He's, he, God gave the leadership in the church, the apostles, the pastors, to equip or to train the saints, that's you, the church, for the work of the ministry. Do you know why? Because I am not the only gifted person in this room. Every one of you are gifted. So my job then, well, let me go on, uh, for, to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and, uh, by, by, by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness, in deceitful shames. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into Him who is the head, Christ is the head, into Christ from whom the whole body, that's us, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. The King James says, every joint supplying. Okay, What does that mean? Every person within the body represents a part of the body, a joint. And when every, point, every joint is supplying, in other words, using the gift that they have, Christ being the head, that's when we really see revival. Amen? That's when our life, quite frankly, is completely fulfilled. Now, my calling is not to do your work. In the, the church world today, the mentality is, that's what we pay the preacher to do. See, the thing is, you don't pay me to do your ministry. Mm-mm. I'm doing my ministry right now. And it incorporates a whole lot of other stuff. I do my ministry, which is training and equipping, feeding you all, so that you can do your ministry out in the world. I've had people say, ask me to go, and, and don't get me wrong, there's a time for this, uh, but I'm, I'm not painting with a broad brush, but I want you to go so-and-so, my neighbor, my family, whatever, uh, is in the hospital, they're lost, and I need you to go tell them about Jesus. Well, that's fine. I love telling people about Jesus, but do you know that probably it's going to be more coming from you in many cases? My point is this. Every Christian has the ability to tell somebody about Christ. Some people are better at that than others. Some people can, some people can just Joe Blow on the street, hey, and work up a conversation and tell them about Jesus. I wish I had that particular gift. I, I, can, I can preach to 500 people easier than I can talk to one person. That's just me. That's just, that's just the way I'm built. Other people are the opposite. Other people couldn't dream of even standing in front of a congregation this big, but they just they have a knack for talking one-on-one. That's awesome. About, which one's more important? There's not one more important. Every joint, every joint supplies, right? My calling is to help you find your calling. Okay, to recognize the gifts that you have and, and help you learn how to use them, right? And many of you can testify, I've been doing that a lot lately. I won't look at anybody specifically, but the, I'm trying to do that because I'm, I'm curious. I'm curious. I'm looking out across this place with beady eyes and I'm thinking, man, what do you got? What are you hiding from me, Right? What are you hiding from me? What kind of gifts did you have? And so here, my, my, my appeal is this. Help me help you. Help you help me. Help you. Help me help you. Right? I got a gift. I want to learn how to use it. Tell me what that gift is. Tell me, what God, tell me what's on your heart. Let's see if we can't get, let's can't, see if we can't get all the ping pong balls jumping around. Amen? Yeah. Gifts are good things. Let me say, let me say this because this is important for us to understand. Gifts are very, very good things. Uh, 
and they do a lot of good in the church and out, but we do, let me, let me put this little warning disclaimer on there, we have to learn how to use those gifts, okay? We, we have a gift, but we've got to know how to use it. Uh, gifts um, are good if they're used properly and at the right time, Right? But a gift that's used at the wrong time and maybe with the wrong frame of mind can actually do more damage than good, which again is why many people don't want to use them. You're saying, you just say, Dennis, you just said not to, use, not to be afraid. I'm saying use your gift, but I'm saying learn and pray and seek God to know how to properly use that gift. If somebody get, we got a lot of, uh, we got a lot of dirt work still left over to do here. And if somebody come by here and said, Dennis, I want to give you a gift. I'm going to give you a dozer. Okay? Now hand me the keys. That's a gift. I'm like, Man, that's an awesome gift. And I jump on it and I start pulling levers. And I have no idea how to drive a lift. I've been a banker for you know, my whole life. So if I just get on that gift and start using it without being properly trained and know how to properly use it, what do you think is going to happen? I'm going to doze the whole building. I'm trying to make a parking lot and I made one, right? <laughs> I, I, I have to be trained in using that gift or I'm going to do more damage than good. And those gifts that we have... When God trains us and we learn how to use them right, we'll do more good. Otherwise, we can... Boldness, for example. Some people have a gift of boldness. They're just able to tell people stuff. I, I'm, I'm a little bit more timid. I wish I had that gift too. But um, just some people just have kind of a gift of boldness. But how many of you know that if you don't have wisdom to go along with that boldness, you can do a lot of damage? So I just told them like it is. Well, that's okay. You can say the right thing and say it wrong. So, you see my point. Using boldness. Paul, even himself... Talked about um, the, specifically, he talked about the gift of tongues. It's great to have the gift of praying in tongues, but in a church setting, when there's a mixed crowd of believers and unbelievers, there's a time where even that gift is better not spoken out loud, right? Gifts are all important, but we have to make sure that we're using them right. And I might also take it a step further and say this for the rest of the body, be patient with each other. Be patient with one another as we're learning to, to use these gifts. I mean, I, here's the thing. I can look back in my, in my life and in my ministry, and there's been times where, you know, maybe God would be dealing with me about a certain thing, but I kind of jumped into it a little bit, you know, immature. You know, in my younger years and stuff, I, I, maybe I did kind of got ahead of God or whatever. Um, my intentions were good, and, but I maybe just kind of got them. I'm thankful for the people that just were patient with me. And so my point is that is that sometimes, you know, you may see something, uh, we're, we're, we're a growing church, and I'm looking out, I'm seeing faces uh, that have been coming, you know, new and new people, and this is so awesome, and we're getting to know one another. But my encouragement is this, and there's, re- there's reasons for me saying this, is that if you see somebody do something or say something, and it, you're thinking, well, that's weird, what is that all about? Don't, don't let it completely freak you out. They, they may be completely doing it right, and they might not be. But they're learning. They're trying to grow within that gift. Does that make sense, the appeal that I'm making? We be patient with one another, and we help each other grow within those gifts. Don't let, it, don't let it scare you off if somebody's operating a gift. And, um, you know, somebody, somebody, I don't know, I'm just making this off the cuff, but I mean, somebody would say, I have, a, I have a gift of gab and conversation and I want to use that for God. And it, you know, somebody may come just get right up in your grill. You know, and they're just like, hey, how are you? And they're overly, and you're, you're like one of these kind of standoffish person, but they're like in your face. They're, they're just trying to figure out how to use their gift, right? They're dozing you over right now, but uh, be patient with them. We're all in this thing together. But, but anyway, Paul says ultimately, immerse yourself, Timothy, in these gifts. Give yourself completely to them. Work on them. Practice makes perfect. I mean, just because we're Christians and we have the Spirit of God doesn't mean that we automatically know how to do everything spiritual that there is, right? 
For those of you who think to yourself, okay, well, we know that according to Scripture, Jesus tells the, the parable. You remember the story, the, the, t- the guy has got ten talents, the guy's got five talents, the guy's got one talent, the one guy didn't use his, the ten did. And so Jesus gave a very peculiar um, statement. He said, take the talent, which was a, a, a amount of money, take the talent from the one who has one and give it to the guy who has ten. Now, off the cuff, I think, well, that doesn't make sense. You're going to take one from him and give it to the guy that's already got ten? The point of Jesus saying that was this. This guy's using his. He's using... The person's not going to use the gift that I have. Use it or you're going to... Okay? So take from him. God's going to get his work done one way or the other. So if you have a gift, use it. Now, for those of you that say, okay, good, I really didn't want to do it anyway. I just won't use it and he'll give it to somebody else. That doesn't work out very well either. Can I just remind you what happened to Jonah? Just saying, right? That's kind of what Jonah did. Oh, let somebody else do it, and he ended up in the whale. And you know, I mean, so, but here's the thing: God doesn't want us just to use our gifts because we don't want to end up being breakfast for, you know, some big whale. Um, he wants us to use the gifts that we have because we're appreciative of the gift He gave us. The greatest gift God ever gave us was salvation, the cross, the blood of Jesus Christ, and we use our gifts in appreciation for His. Amen. That's the motivation ultimately that God wants us to have. So, do you want? And that's the only way that we're really fulfilled, I might say. People go out finding, trying to find fulfillment in every aspect of their life. Uh, if you're not fulfilled, it could be. If you think, man, my life is empty, it's meaningless. It could be maybe that God, you, you have a gift that God's wanting and you're not using it. That's what fulfills us when we use the gift. Do you want church to hold more meaning for you? Be invested in it. Get invested in the church. I mean, you don't care a thing about Walmart stock until you've bought Walmart stock. Once you've invested in Walmart... Now you care about how well the company does. If you're not invested in it, you know, no skin off my nose, get invested in the church. I mean, you can say, well, I can take it or leave it. I, you know what I mean? There ain't nobody forcing you to be. I'm glad for every person that's here. But man, there ain't nobody. You're here of your own free will. So I mean, you can say, well, I'll just, I'm not, I'll, I'll take off and leave. But if you get invested in this church, if you get invested, use your gifts in this body for the work of God, let me tell you something, you're going to care more about this church than you ever did before. Sunday morning is not going to be just saying, oh, I need to go to church. You'll be eager to get here. I, I promise you, amen? I promise you. All right. Gifts of God, I'm, going to, I'm shutting up. I promise. I'm closing. I'm going to prove it by putting my notes in my binder and closing my Bible. Okay? Wait a minute. No, I'm just kidding. The gifts and the calling of God, the Bible says, are without repentance. They're irrevocable, the ESV says. Meaning that when God gives us a gift, it's there. Yeah, He may have to get somebody else to do your job for a little while, but the bottom line is this. You might say, well, I've, you know you got a gift, you've set it for a long period of time. It's still in there. And so the message today is stir it up. Right? Don't let it settle. Don't let it settle. You know what happens if you set a glass of tea something like that on the bar for about six months it's all going to separate and settle but you go through there and you stir it up and then you drink it right <laughs> you, but you got to stir it up and that's what God said we just get settled sometimes so let's, let's stir up the gifts in us amen let's just see let's just dare God let's just dare God to see what he'll do if we actually operate the way Get the ping pong balls going. Speaking of, everybody stand.